the book of Haggai, Sunday night through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and uh, if uh, just hit the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, and go left, and about the third book in, you'll find Haggai. Don't move too fast, though. You can bypass it pretty quickly. Verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shetiel, and uh, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehoizadak, uh, uh, the high priest, saying, um, it, 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 this, these early verses are the initial verse that constitutes the introduction of uh, these various minor uh, prophets. Uh, they do constitute the introduction. They are um, understanding a little bit about them allows us to fully appreciate what it is that God is communicating in uh, the rest of the letter. I don't know if you've ever run into somebody who uh, looks at the Bible or their assessment of the Bible is that it's a bunch of fables and man-made stories and all. Uh, and yet everywhere you turn in the Bible, even as Haggai begins here, uh, it reads, as someone has observed, nothing like a fable. How it reads is his history and uh, God's history and his revelation uh, to us. It is important to understand a couple of, uh, of, of things going forward in terms of just getting all of this clear in our mind. Haggai is one of the prophets who is, is one, what is called uh, one of the post-exilic uh, prophets. And when it talks about post-exilic, that means post-exile. He prophesied to uh, the children of Israel following the 70-year uh, exile in uh, Babylon. And so in Jewish history, uh, as they, uh, uh, the children of Israel went into that exile in, in Babylon, uh, and, uh, and then he returned in this post-exilic period with Zechariah and Malachi to minister to that generation. The next two books that conclude uh, the Old Testament. Jeremiah, for instance, is what is known as pre-exilic. He ministered prior to the exile. Daniel and Ezekiel are known as exilic. They uh, ministered during the period of that 70-year uh, exile. It is... Um, Following the, in terms of getting, continuing to get our bearings here uh, to understand the book, a lot of what uh, constitutes the context for this uh, comes from, uh, our, uh, from the book of Ezra. And you may or may not remember very well what it was that we studied in, in Ezra, but it's important to understand a few things to get what God is speaking uh, to the children of Israel and to us as well. Following their 70-year captivity in Babylon, of course that had been prophesied by Jeremiah, the 70-year the, uh, period, a Persian king by the name of Cyrus. And Cyrus is a very, very interesting figure out of ancient history in terms of as uh, emperors and world-ruling kind of rulers in the ancient world, he was about as noble as you could get. A really, really fair 
uh, uh, good uh, uh, man, relatively speaking. He allowed uh, the Jews, uh, as they desired to, to return uh, from their Babylonian captivity and to rebuild the temple which was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And that happened in 538 B.C. About 42,000 Jews left Babylon in order to rebuild uh, the temple along with uh, other servants that they, they had. And they were led by two men who are named here in verse 1, a man by the name of Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, and then Joshua, who was the high priest. When they arrived uh, in Jerusalem, they began to work at the rebuilding of the temple. They laid the foundation and uh, they established the Levitical offerings and sacrifices and, uh, and the altar for burnt offering, as we saw in Ezra. In the second year of their return, uh, they laid the foundation for the building of, uh, of the temple. That foundation was laid. And then there was an opposition that grew uh, on the part of the Samaritans against the Jews that had returned to rebuild uh, their, their temple. And uh, initially, the Samaritans came to the Jews. They offered their help in rebuilding it. Uh, they were refused by uh, the Jews. And so uh, the Samaritans then bitterly opposed the building uh, project, ultimately successful in petitioning uh, the king of Persia uh, uh, to bring the project to a halt uh, by way of, of this slanderous letter regarding uh, the Jews, and then the project was commanded to cease. At that point, what the Jews did is they ceased their focus on rebuilding the temple, and they redirected, in the light of this, this opposition, they redirected and gave their full attention to building their own homes and uh, farming and cultivating uh, the land of Israel. Now, Haggai shows up 16 years after uh, all of these events, and the temple is still lying in ruins. Uh, there is only a foundation that has been uh, built. Nothing's been done uh, to change what had been done 16 years earlier. Now, this clearly represented a spiritual apathy and sleepiness on the part uh, of the children uh, of Israel and, and that they had allowed all of these other things to become more important to them than the rebuilding uh, of the temple as a priority in their lives. And so the Lord sent Haggai uh, to exhort them to complete the temple, to complete what he had allowed them to return to the land uh, to do. And so the Lord spoke four messages through Haggai uh, with the intent of waking his people uh, up and, and to get them to finish the building of the temple. Uh, Haggai, uh, he can be, uh, uh, the, the, the book here can be dated uh, precisely at 520 B.C. Uh, because we're given the date there in verse 1, the second year of King Darius, and this would be King Darius uh, the first. Haggai's ministry only lasts for a period of about four months, and he delivered those four messages during that time, and each one of those messages are, are dated uh, for us. And so uh, he was soon joined by the prophet Zechariah, 
who continued and completed the task of encouraging the people to uh, rebuild the temple. And so, uh, again, uh, a kind of reminder of, of the book of Ezra. And so this is the scene that the Lord sends His prophet Haggai into. Haggai's name means uh, festival, or it means festive, probably he, because he was born on a, a Jewish religious holiday. Uh, we don't really know much more about him other than his prophecies. He doesn't describe much about himself. He's all about the message that he delivered to uh, God's people. And so always the messengers can be readily forgotten as long as the message is remembered. And so uh, he comes now with this strong rebuke, a strong wake-up call uh, from God. Wake up these spiritually sleepy people uh, to wake up and finish what God had called them uh, to do. This is why Haggai is uh, known in some circles. Uh, he is known as kind of the uh, alarm clock of, of the minor uh, prophets. He came to wake them up to uh, th their uh, spiritual sleepiness. Now, I don't know how much you love your alarm clock. They give you all these sounds. They can wake you up in all kinds of different ways. But when you don't want to get up, there's not a sound they can put on that iPhone or that alarm or uh, anything. They try to make it uh, 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 something that is, is pleasant. But uh, alarm clocks are necessary. Uh, when people fall asleep and, uh, and they're necessary for waking up sleeping people before it's too late. And Haggai is God's alarm clock to the nation of Israel and really to us uh, this evening. And, and likening him to an alarm clock is more than just uh, you know, being uh, too clever by half. One of the, the repeated phrases of, of his prophecies is, "'Consider your ways.'" And, uh, and that word consider in the original language, it means literally set the heart as with a, a clock. Wake up. Your heart is, your time is way off. It needs to be reset. Your heart needs to be reset. And he's very successful in, in waking them up after the temple sat unfinished for 15, 16 years. It took Haggai just 23 days to inspire uh, the people to resume the work, and uh, it would finally be completed about uh, 15, uh, 515 uh, B.C. The theme of the letter is, uh, again, consider. That word consider is used five times in the 38 verses that make up uh, the prophecy of Haggai, and the word was used by Haggai to call on the children of Israel to consider their lives and specifically to consider a certain aspect of their lives and with the idea of getting them to reconsider that area in their, in their life. And so when he says consider what it is that your ways, God is saying to them, I don't want you just to listen to Haggai's message. Uh, it's very easy to listen to anything and even to come to a place of familiarity with, familiarity with the Word of God and uh, we hear it, but goes in one ear, out the other. And he knows the temptation that, that is there in doing that. And so he says, no, I want you to stop and to really think about what I'm saying to you as my children uh, through this uh, prophet. 
And in a nutshell, they were called to consider or to reconsider their priorities in life, which had resulted in this neglect of God's work in, in the world, and specifically the neglect of the single great thing that He had called them to do in, in human uh, history to rebuild the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And they had ceased their service to God under the influence of two great excuses. And the first excuse constitutes chapter 1. The second excuse constitutes chapter 2. And the first great excuse that we'll look at tonight is the excuse of the time has not come that the uh, time that the Lord's house should be built. And so they were saying this is not the time, it's not a good time, it's not a right time to rebuild the temple. In other words, there's more things that are more important, other things that are more important than that right now. Building our houses, getting the land uh, productive again in terms of crops and in terms of, of herds and flocks. The problem with that excuse was that they had determined that it was time for them to rebuild their, to build their own homes. And indeed, God takes note of the fact that they didn't just build homes as mere shelter, uh, but they built paneled homes, upgraded homes, even luxurious homes, uh, while the temple lay as a mere foundation uh, for pushing two decades uh, in the city of Jerusalem. So the real issue behind the delay in giving themselves to God's work was not a lack of time. Uh, the real issue was their priorities, and that the priorities in their life were upside down. It's important to realize, I think, in applying this prophecy to ourselves, that just as God called, uh, had specifically called on them to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem all these uh, years ago to fulfill His plan uh, for them at that time in human history, uh, by the same token, God desires to accomplish uh, some spiritual purpose through each of our lives as Christians during our relatively uh, very short appearance on the stage of, of human history. Each and every one of us as Christians is called to some area of Christian service for which God uh, gives us a gifting associated with it, and then He also uh, equips us and anoints us to accomplish it. And that is uh, found uh, repeatedly in the New Testament, found in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 12, found in uh, Romans, and, and found also in, in 1 Peter. We remember Jesus' uh, parable of the ten minas in Luke chapter 10, and the ten minas were given to three different people. Each servant was, servant was commanded uh, to do business until I come, occupy until I uh, come. And then one day uh, they were to give an account for the stewardship that had been given to them. And this gifting and this call of God upon each one of our lives as Christians, one day we're going to give an account to God for faithfulness uh, to it. And, and this can come as an absolute shock to uh, Christians in the United States of America. I mean, it's like pulling teeth getting people to attend church. 
We do just have to understand without being hard, uh, on, on, uh, unduly hard, but we have to realize that the Christian culture that we are uh, in the midst of in the United States of America is not always a healthy culture. And, and when you have people considered to be in all of the polling committed to a church and in regular fellowship at a church, when they come two times a month or one time a month, you're talking about church in a way that God never intended the church to be uh, uh, among His people. Uh, that, is, that is not attending church. That's forsaking the assembling together of the saints. That's not something to be hidden by statistics. And also, trying to get people to think beyond just coming uh, to church. I'm not talking about you, but coming to church and then, uh, you know, once a week in, in, in during a church service and then going home and doing whatever I want. And that, that constitutes the extent of the demand of Christianity upon a Christian's life. And it is nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort. Every single one of us are going to one day give an account for being faithful to what it is that God has gifted us and called us to do and through our lives in this moment in human history. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not our salvation. This is a reward seat that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And the reason I mention this is that I don't want anybody that's under my pastoral care to one day get into heaven and then to... Say, why in the world didn't we know uh, about any of this? Uh, why would you keep us so dumbed down that we would never realize that we would be held responsible for this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, one day? Now, the, the specific spiritual plan and purpose for each of our lives, it can be maybe to pastor a church like God has done for me and the other pastors. It may be to be a missionary, or it may be to be a worship leader in a church, or it may be uh, to be an evangelist or an elder or a deacon in a church, or to serve in some way in a local church, in the children's ministry, or the youth ministry, on the security team, uh, counseling, cleanup team, before and after uh, the church services. It can be the gift of helps where someone is called just to help people. They hear that somebody is sick, they call them for two or three weeks. Uh, every two or three days is needed to make sure they're doing all right. To run and get groceries for them. Or maybe somebody's cars broke down and they give them a ride somewhere or to a medical uh, appointment. These are, this is a, a, a kind of calling that God puts upon people's lives. It can be uh, the, a, a call uh, in the form of giving. It can be a, in terms of intercessory uh, prayer. It can be uh, uh, simply doing a hard day's work every day in the workplace that God has put us and doing it for His glory. And uh, just like Joseph did and just like Daniel did in, in the Old Testament. 
It might be that God has called someone in, in, the, in the extent of the calling upon their lives for a significant part of their adult life will be just raising children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, raising them as unto the Lord. And, and so are the examples that go on. Not all ministry occurs on church grounds or within the four walls uh, of, of the church. All we want to do is to have spent some time in our lives asking God, God, what is it that you have called me to do in my little moment in, in human history? And where have you planted my heart in terms of the building up of the church, the building up of the body of Christ, the expansion of the body of Christ, or in, in uh, engaging the world with your love and with your uh, truth. And so that we can uh, look and say, as best as I can hear God's voice in my life, I am doing what He has called me to do. And there'll be people that own businesses or they go to work, and that will be the extent of it to take and run that business as unto the Lord. And, uh, and, and that's what he'll, uh, he'll do. So it isn't a guilt got you in, in, or anything like that, but just so that we could look at it and, and know, yes, I know what he's called me to do, and I, I am in the midst of, of that calling. Now, the first prophecy that he, he gives here, it's directed to... Um, specifically to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. You see, uh, the word of uh, verse 1 of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, uh, the governor, and then also to Joshua, the high priest. And so he is, Haggai is going to exhort the people as well, but he begins by exhorting the leaders. Because leaders should have never allowed this to go on 16 years the way that it did. Leaders must lead whether nobody else follows them in what God has told them uh, to do. What people do with that, that's between them and God. But they were, they were at fault uh, supremely and number one for this neglect and this uh, spiritual uh, sleepiness related to the rebuilding of the temple. And he addresses them first. And then uh, he uh, deals in verse 2, uh, the Lord, uh, he, he brings forth the, the charge or the accusation of, of uh, procrastination against the, uh, the people now. And the reason, the excuse that they use for their neglect of rebuilding the temple. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, this people... Now, he doesn't say, my people. That's interesting, isn't it? He says, this people says. Why does he do that? Because they're not acting like his people. And, and, uh, and he's going to drive home that point with them. He said, this people says. I mean, a, 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 a life of my people. They're even, even under the old covenant uh, where there is, uh, there is no concern for the kingdom of God, the expansion of the kingdom, the rebuilding of the temple uh, for them, or where there is a, uh, in, as Christians, where there is no concern for those things and Christian uh, service, that is a Christian who is not acting like God's people. 
because it's not how Christianity is supposed to be. This people says, here's the excuse, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And so that was uh, the reason for the neglect. And uh, probably this was said with kind of a shrug of the shoulders. Somebody raised the subject of when are we going to get going on that temple again and uh, rebuild the temple. And, uh, and the time hasn't come for all of that to happen. And after all, we've just uh, returned to the land of Israel relatively uh, recently. I mean, we don't have to do, we laid the foundation of it. We don't have to do the whole thing in our generation. There's going to be generations of Jews coming into the land, and, and there'll be plenty of time for people to, uh, to, uh, uh, to get on this and take care of it. And there were, there were even, you know, plausible uh, reasons that they could have come up for neglecting uh, God's uh, call upon them. But there really is never a good excuse for ignoring God's purposes for our lives. They could have said, listen, we tried and we were stopped. Uh, I, 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 the circumstances were difficult. Or our, our neighbors, uh, they, they got upset the first time and, and maybe they'll get upset uh, this time. And so the Lord, He hears all of the, He hears the excuse, He heard what they were saying, and, and then He enters into uh, the conversation uh, him, Himself. And His response is in verse 3, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, and the you is plural, now He's talking to everybody, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins. And so he rejected the excuse uh, for the delay. He condemned their hypocrisy. He condemned their upside-down uh, priorities and, uh, because he says they had found the will to build for themselves paneled homes while the temple lay in ruin. And so you determined that your homes needed to be built and you built them. And, and, and so this is not a matter of ability at all, uh, uh, but due to the fact that you, do, you considered your homes to be a necessity, but you did not consider what I have called you to do in human history uh, to be a necessity, and so you didn't make a priority uh, of it. They were very, very practical about what they wanted to do. They convinced themselves of the importance of what they wanted to do, and then they proceeded to, uh, to do it. The problem is, is that the rebuilding of the temple was not high on their priority list. And it should have been number one, but it wasn't uh, high uh, on their priority list. And so God's, God's not upset with them building houses. He knew everybody needs shelter. He understands all of that. But he did point out uh, that they built paneled houses. In other words, nothing was too good for them. Uh, but but uh, uh, God could not only uh, just have the leftovers of things, but we won't even uh, deal with what it is that he wants to have, uh, have, have done. And so... Uh, building a house and building it, uh, a, a, a paneled house, w was a, 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 not an easy thing to do. Because trees in, in the land of Israel, even in those days, there, uh, wood was very, very expensive. 
That's why virtually everything was built with, uh, with stone. And, and, and so uh, they, there were obstacles to them building their houses, costs that were involved, all of these obstacles. They found a way to overcome them. And why did they do that? Because they had a, uh, a will to do that. We talk about where there's a will, there's a way. They didn't have that will um, in, in their life. And so the problem uh, was that they didn't have a will toward the things of God, uh, toward His work. And so they're just indifference. Uh, if it gets done, fine. If it doesn't, well, uh, just as fine. And so God wipes away this excuse of theirs that they've been hiding behind for 16 years, and He wipes it all away with a single question. And then in verse 5, their failure to uh, rebuild the temple, to do what God had called them uh, to do, had resulted in God disciplining them. But they couldn't put two plus two together. They couldn't understand uh, that hardship had entered into their life because their priorities were wrong. And so Haggai comes in and uh, makes them aware of God's judgment upon their labors and, and of drought. And now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, for you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put them uh, to put into a bag with holes. And so he exhorted the people just to stop and consider the connection between their material lack in their life and their upside-down uh, priorities. And Jesus made the same po uh, point uh, in, 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 to us as Christians. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. Keep the priorities right, and I'll make sure that uh, you are well taken care of on, on the material uh, side of things. And so it's always good to stop and uh, evaluate the priorities in my life, uh, whether there's a concern for the kingdom of God, a concern for the health of the body of Christ, a concern for the advancement uh, of the kingdom uh, of God uh, in, in, the, uh, in, in the church. Or is my entire life and resources given over to solely my own life and, and priorities? And so they were being disobedient to what they had returned to the land to do, and they could not expect God to bless them in that condition. He couldn't affirm their disobedience. He couldn't make them, uh, he, he couldn't make it easy for them to stay there, to make it comfortable for them to stay there and, and reinforce their disobedience, reinforce their upside down priorities. And so he begins to uh, tighten uh, things for them. Now, I think uh, wrong priorities, are, I think, are rarely thought of as a sin meriting God's chastening. Uh, but they do, and we see, see it happening uh, here. 
because my priorities, when I put, uh, 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 make a greater priority of material things within my life over uh, God's plan and purposes for my life, it's always a revealer of idolatry. It's a revealer of something that I view as more important to myself or more important uh, in the world uh, than, than His call. It's taken precedence over, over God in my life. Again, Jesus taught in this regard, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and uh, mammon. Now, clearly, uh, while they're engaged in their upside-down priorities, they had probably uh, noticed this scarcity within their lives, and uh, no matter how hard they worked, no matter how hard they tried, the scarcity uh, continued, but they didn't recognize it as a, God, a work of God's chastening to get their attention and to get them to reassess their priorities and to get them to repent uh, of their uh, apathy, of, uh, of their sluggishness concerning what God is doing in, in the world. And so he began to touch their food, their drink, their clothing, as we see in verse 6, uh, the very uh, necessities of life. They plant all of this seed. There's just this meager harvest uh, comes forth. And uh, God says, you're, you're broke. You're struggling to make ends meet. And and uh, the shortage of, of the necessities of, of life. When it talks about uh, putting uh, wages, uh, earning wages, put them in a purse with holes in them, it's kind of talking about inflation there too. I mean, it's just the, the prices are getting higher and higher. Of course, the scarcity uh, of the stuff uh, because not as much as is being produced and the money is just flying uh, uh, away. And... and there, if I was in their shoes, I would do probably exactly what they did. And that there's a scarcity, there's not enough, and so I will double down my effort. I will double down my effort in my current misplaced priorities. I will work even harder to make this happen. Uh, because I'm a type A. And I like hard work and I like accomplishing things. And so I would have given myself to redoubling my efforts. The problem wasn't a material one. The problem was a spiritual one. They needed to give God and His plan for their lives its proper priority and then things would turn around. And the same thing is true uh, of us individually, especially if I allow uh, uh, life to uh, crowd out my personal relationship with the Lord and, and crowd out uh, my time with God. Now, it is very important to say at this point that not all scarcity in our life is caused by this. I don't want anybody leaving and saying, being guilty, and it's like, okay, you know, my MID bill was three times what I thought it was going to be, and it's scarce, and, and uh, there's scarcity for being able to pay it, and so God is judging me. Now, there can be a lot of reasons for those kind of things, but if I, if I put myself in the place of the people in the message of Haggai here, and scarcity comes into my life, and it forces me to draw close to God in a way that I've ignored Him, uh, and then to ask Him, uh, are my priorities right with you? 
Uh, is this just me and MID and the cost of electricity and gas today, PG&E? Or is, is there something going on between you and I? And there's never any problem with asking the Lord that because He can either dismiss it or He can say, consider your ways as He did uh, with, with uh, Haggai uh, here. And, uh, and, and so uh, to stop and to ask God, okay, Lord, how healthy is my relationship with You? Um, uh, uh, what priority is my devotional time with you? How faithful am I being to your call upon uh, my life? What part am I playing for the advancement of your work uh, in the world? And do I even care? And just to say to God, what are my priorities and are wrong priorities? Uh, what's going on here? And then God, in, in verse 7 he comes behind all of this with another consider your ways and calls on them uh, to, uh, uh, in, in uh, rebuilding uh, uh, the temple, to finish the rebuilding. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. And so the finishing of the temple, it wasn't rocket science. Uh, the Jews couldn't say, we didn't have enough engineers. That's why we couldn't pull it off. Uh, this was a very straightforward project. The project was not being uh, neglected because it was complicated. In fact, it's very, very simple. The solution was very, very practical. Uh, go up to the mountains... Uh, bring wood and uh, build the temple. A and usually, getting our priorities straight is usually not very complicated. It's just a matter of just simply uh, doing it and doing what is right. Now, the Lord did want them to know, and He wants us to know too, that to finish uh, the rebuilding would accomplish two things that. Uh, were not happening as long as the temple remained unbuilt, as he speaks about it there at the end uh, of verse 8. He said the rebuilding of the temple uh, was in order that he might take uh, pleasure in it. And as we fulfill God's purposes for our lives, whatever that calling uh, might be, it brings him pleasure. Uh, he could get all the work, he could, if he spoke all of creation into existence, he can get all of his work done without any of us. But the fact that we would make his work a priority in our lives, uh, uh, so as to want to spend our lives involved in what is supremely important to him, well, that, that brings him pleasure. And then he, he said the temple, he wanted it to be rebuilt uh, that he might be uh, glorified. And so it was to be rebuilt to the glory of God. So that the surrounding nations who were watching the children of Israel and, and the unsaved world always watches God's people, always watches the Christian. And so you've got all of these people and the nations around sparing no amount of time, sparing no amount of expense in the uh, producing of their idols, the building of these elaborate temples. And then they looked over in Jerusalem and for 16 years all they saw was a foundation. And they do what non-Christians do. They then came to a conclusion 
about how God's people view God on the basis of uh, their obedience to Him in building this temple. And why in the world would they leave their idolatry and go and build this temple when, uh, as, as pagans, if the Jews didn't even care enough uh, about the temple or about the God who told them to build the temple uh, to uh, bi- build it. So it's always a, a, a bad reflection. Upside down priorities are always, in a person's life, a Christian's life, are always a bad reflection upon God. And, and how God's people uh, view, uh, uh, view God. And people watch, and they watch uh, our priorities. There's a, a, um, a further elaboration uh, of verses 5 and 7 here as you go into verses 9 through 11 uh, about the cause of their poverty and their want. And you have looked for much, but indeed it came to little. Uh, he said... Uh, when you brought, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house, and therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit, for I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground uh, brings forth, on men and livestock and on the labor of your hands. So speaking again about the judgment that he had brought upon them, the chastening in order to uh, get their attention. And then the response of Zerubbabel and Joshua and all of the people uh, comes in in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Shealtiel, and uh, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as uh, the Lord their God uh, had uh, sent them. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. So everyone from top to bottom now uh, hears the alarm clock. They hear the message. They see the hypocrisy of of their own upside-down priorities. And uh, they they, uh, turned now to commit themselves to to this work. Now, whenever leaders uh, uh, take and uh, do the right thing, especially uh, religious leaders, and when uh, we have been kind of publicly chastened uh, by the Lord. I, I tend to like my chastening private, uh, but sometimes I'm, I'm such a knucklehead, he's got to make it public uh, to get through uh, to me. That's the alarm clock that I need. And so Haggai comes and he pronounces this prophecies, these prophecies to the children of Israel and it reflected very badly on the governor and on the high priest. But to their credit, uh, they took it like men, took it like women or whatever, but they're men, so we'll do that. We're not going to get into that subject right now. But I still believe in men and women, by the way. But they took it like men, 
and, and they didn't respond in their pride to the rebuke that God gave to them, and they got going with the work. And, and they're to be commended for that. And, and uh, uh, you're right, uh, uh, we are wrong, and, and I'm so glad you pointed that out, and now we're going to change uh, immediately. And so often as leaders, we, we tend to think that um, people will esteem us uh, uh, highest uh, when we are able to portray general perfection. Uh, when in fact, uh, what, uh, one of the quickest ways to lose people's respect is to be wrong, everybody to know you're wrong, and then not just candidly admit it. And I, I respect these men uh, uh, for this. And you notice uh, a key part in their uh, reestablishing uh, uh, godly priorities in their life was they feared the presence of the Lord. And so all of their indifference is completely replaced now by a respect for God, a fear for God, and, and, uh, and doing His work. They realize this isn't a game. This is, this is not make-believe. God has made us to know uh, that He will not allow His work to be ignored and, and uh, without this kind of, of, of a wake-up call. And then the Lord encourages them. He's so wonderful that way. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And so when he says, I am with you, it's God saying, I am with you. My favorable presence is with you. And that is, that's always the definition of success. If his favorable presence is with us, uh, then everything is, is going to be okay. And so this encouragement, it uh, 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 re revitalized and, and, uh, and excited the leaders and the people e even uh, more. I like the, uh, a, a quote by Mark Twain in this vein. He said, <clears throat> I can live for two months on a good compliment. Isn't that the truth? I mean, how far uh, encouragement uh, can go, and you think about how much more an encouragement from the Lord. And so, uh, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, and the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And then, in in a verse that just looks like it's just. Uh, uh, you know, fodder, like it's, it, it's meaningless in, in the whole passage, but it isn't. And we're told, on the 24th day of the sixth month, that's when this happened, in the second year of King uh, Darius. And so, uh, the date that they commenced their work was given to us, September uh, 21st, 520 B.C., 23 days after Haggai's original uh, prophecy and uh, and the, the command to uh, rebuild. And it is interesting that the Lord, He uh, mentions a date here. In other words, it started. It started. The alarm clock did what it was supposed to do. What they were called to do by God, it started. And there was a date that they could look at and say, that's the day I heard God's command, I obeyed it, I got stirred up, and switched my priorities, made uh, them uh, what they ought to be before Him, 
and got going. And, the, and, and nobody can look at or, or study the, the book of Haggai and possess uh, upside-down priorities and, uh, uh, and uh, have them corrected except that there will be a date, a moment in time where uh, someone gets on their knees or somebody uh, meets with two other, or three other people called to the same thing and says, let's get it. We hear what He's trying to say to us. We turn from our own ways. We repent of our own wrong priorities. And now we're going to do it. And, and so every person that's got things upside down then needs of necessity to have a date that is so clear this is the circumstances, this is the day, this is the time when I got that all turned around between uh, me and God. And so, having taken some time to uh, listen to God's uh, message through Haggai to us this evening, I do want us to take some time to consider it, uh, to allow it to search us for any changes that we might need to make uh, in, in our life and to consider our priorities as is needed. Um, I, all I'm trying to do tonight with Haggai is be faithful to the message. Not to lessen its impact. Not to say this really doesn't matter. Our priorities don't really matter. I can have a serviceless Christianity and it won't really matter. We all know better than that. So the sobriety concerning what it is that Haggai is saying is literally off the graph. I am going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ individually. And I'm going to give an account for how faithful I've been to what God has called me to do. But I have no interest in being heavy for the sake of being heavy. That doesn't accomplish anything. And so if we sit here tonight and individually and saying, best as I can hear God, I'm right in the middle of it. And He knows that if He wants to, me to do something else or do something more, I'd be ready to hear Him. But if this is a wake-up call, we want, we want to hear, hear the wake-up uh, wake call, especially if uh, God's plan for our lives is being, uh, being neglected. Again, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And as we see here in Haggai's prophecy, much of these upside-down priorities are, can be traced back to time in some way. And so they, they use the excuse, we use the excuse, now is not the time, uh, I'll begin to serve God, I'll begin to take His priorities in my life seriously further down the road. I'll do it when I retire, or right after this accomplishment in my life, or that accomplishment within my life, right after this promotion, or right after getting married, right after buying a house, right after uh, accumulating a certain set uh, amount uh, of money. Or we feel like there isn't enough time in the day to do what needs to be done and to do what God has called me to do. And so Christian service is ignored. Uh, a daily devotional time 
with the Lord, the nurturing of the relationship, which is what Christianity is all uh, about. It never gets established or it becomes very, very sporadic. And we think our problem is with the amount of time that we have in a day. But it isn't really a matter of time. Most often it's a matter of priorities as is evidenced in the children of Israel having found the time to build their luxurious homes. Or for us, uh, placing the accumulation of material things above Him and above His purposes for my life. I think it will be very hard for the average American Christian to explain a neglect of Christian service and a neglect of devotional time one day to God given the fact that in the United States of America today, on average, a person spends three hours a day watching television, an additional two hours a day on social media, plus God knows how much time is spent in recreational uh, surfing of the web, just frittering away mountains of time. And, and so, no, neglect of the purposes and plans for our lives is rarely about time. It's almost always about priorities and how we spend our time. Now, I'm going to go way out on a limb here. Are you ready? Ready just to collapse, have a seizure of some kind? I'm going to go way out on a limb here, but I dare say that no Christian can spend three to five hours a day watching television and on social uh, media and ever hope to make Christian service the priority in our lives that God intends it to be. And, and, and thus, we can never expect to hear from Jesus' mouth one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And without hearing that, no Christian life can be deemed to have been a, a, a success. And so we see the message of Haggai, it's a timeless message, and it's, it's needed as much today as ever it was when, when it was spoken uh, by God through him. And then to stop and just to realize that all of this can change in a moment. It's not hard. Just look and say, as needed, to say, Lord, I see it. I hear you. And I see that it's a matter of priorities within my life and I've neglected it, I've heard your spirit through Haggai, and so I, I turn from that, I make a decision to change my, uh, my priorities. And then uh, to uh, beware, at least in this chapter 1, as we look at that one great historical excuse of the children of Israel in that day, and that now is not the time. The danger of procrastination, the danger of misplaced priorities to having the kind of experience each of us uh, will want to have one day when we stand before the bema or the reward seat of Christ. So no big heavy thing, but it's the Word of God, the Spirit of God is here, and I ask the worship team to come forward and, and to have, lead us in a couple of worship songs so we can just worship Him and then sort out whatever it is that we may need to sort out between him and us.